This podcast is based on real-life events that are portrayed to the best of Athena and Amber's memory and also backed by court records and other factual evidence. While all the stories in the podcast are true, some names and identifying details have been changed to protect the privacy of the people involved. Previously on Ex-Wives Undercover, Avery finds out about Ben's fling in Vegas and kicks his ass to the curb. Ben clearly cannot handle being left and begins to eventually stalk Avery and the new guy she decides to date. When Ben's multiple tactics to win Avery back do not work, he eventually takes another route, falling ill and ending up in the hospital. So while he is supposedly in the hospital, he still finds the time to put Deanna on a fantasy date rape website. Shortly thereafter, Deanna is attacked outside of her apartment. Avery decides to get a protection order once again against Ben. And at the same time, Amber is still playing nice in court in hopes to get her financial divorce judgment put in place. The legal system lets us down once again, and Ben is able to get Avery's protection order thrown out. Next, Ben disappears, says he's going to Mount Rainier. Clearly, we know he would never do that. So what was the real story? Welcome to Ex-Wives Undercover. Liars, cheaters, and love cons. I'm Amber. And I'm Athena. First, we told our story, and now we're sharing all of your craziest and most heart-wrenching stories of love gone wrong. Sometimes we laugh. And sometimes we cry. But more importantly, we stand stand together. together. All right, girl. You ready to do this? Let's do it. The views, information, or opinions expressed on our show by our guests are solely the views of those individuals involved and by no means represent absolute facts. Opinions expressed by the host and guests may change at any time. Our podcast and YouTube show may at times cover sensitive topics, including but not limited to suicide, abuse, violence. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. Season 2 Episode 7, Jessica Jane. After what seemed like forever, we learned that little old Ben was safe and sound. Letting everybody believe he was actually dead was a whole new low for him. His selfishness knew no boundaries. Ben can't be alone. While he was outwardly trying to make Avery believe he was so devastated by her leaving him, he had secretly moved on to another state, California in fact, to an unsuspecting woman named Katie. Benny boy, safe and sound. Safe and sound. He was up to nothing more than chasing vagina in California while entertaining more vagina in Washington State. (laughs) He does the same stuff. Honestly, when you left him, it was, oh, poor you. And then you see him on match.com. When I left him, oh, poor me, but he's wooing Avery and everybody else. And then Avery leaves him and, oh, I'm so broken up over Avery, but he's got three women in California. And at this time, early January, we only know of one girl, just one, just Katie. And Sydney, you know, she's getting older at this point and she's back living with him. So it's kind of hard. He's on the phone all day, every day with this person FaceTiming. So, I mean, she can hear the voice. I think there's somebody. Yes. And so we just to be clear, we're not, we were not asking her for information. There's a component of mom, 
there's another victim pretty much. She felt bad because she saw she how bad. badly he hurt me, how badly he hurt you, Deanna, Avery, the list of all these women that now she felt like she wanted to protect anybody else. And I was proud of her. Mm-hmm. I think we both, we both were proud of her Yeah, because she didn't do that. And that was a brand new thing because if you all remember in the last episode, we were still really surprised that she was still keeping secrets for him later when we found out about yeah. being left at home and going, you know, down Avery's home and, you know, being left in the truck. And that's something you feel like you'd want to call your mom and tell her. So what I find interesting about this. So Ben <laughs> changes his tactic. He is yes. adamant because he knows me and you are friends at this point now. And we don't realize this in the very beginning, but he's seeding information that's incorrect. So just in case yes. we were curious as we all are, who the, who the current woman is that we couldn't find her. So <laughs> tell us some of the things he would say. We were wrapping up the final parenting plan still, I believe, but regardless, the temporary parenting plan was still in effect. And in that parenting plan and the current one, it states that he is not allowed to introduce any women, bring her around any women, unless it's a very serious relationship. And I sign off and approve on it. That's why I think he was being so cautious about it. I do know that I don't believe she met her until shortly after that because Katie did fly in. But even though I was saying, I'm glad you're getting over Avery, like, good, move on. You don't have to lie. Be honest. Sydney's told me about her. I'm happy. She seems like a nice person. Let's move forward and be honest with each other. All I want for you is to be happy. With even all of that, he goes on to tell me that she lives in Idaho, that she has a very well-known dance school, multiple locations throughout Idaho. (laughs) And I said, wow. So you're like on these dating apps, still punching in distant zip codes these days. Yeah. I wasn't shocked. Country. He just moved states. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I looked up dance schools and I looked up her name. No. And so not until later do we find out that he made it up again. There is no dance school. There is no dancer. There was no instructor and there's no Idaho. Um, I think there are two kids. As spring arrived, I could not wait to get back over to our cabin east of the mountains. After COVID hit in March, my life had been impacted in so many ways. There was, however, one very exciting event on the horizon. My sister Jessica's wedding reception bash. You were seeing things on the news slowly at that point. And then you were hearing more and more. And what's happening? And oh shit, now it's in Washington. It's in the US. Yeah. I mean, it was these far-fetched stories that we all took so lightly. Like, oh my gosh, paranoia, this, that, and the other. It's just... It's made up people. They're just trying to scare us. Um, Conspiracy theories. And then, wow. Oh, it was insane. My company was mandated to close immediately on March 16th. It was the first round where you had no choice. It wasn't like you could wear masks, nothing like that. The kids immediately went to remote learning. I must say I was glad like spring was coming and boating season was coming because it's warmer east of the mountains. And then my sister she had gone off and gotten married on uh, New Year's Day, just randomly on a trip to Vegas. She eloped. And so 
that was exciting because she had roped Roxy and iron. So we had this huge like thread going with Pinterest. I had a Pinterest board, of course, and we had the thread going about wedding dresses and back and forth and what she wanted. She had yeah. reserved um, her, her, the person to do her, the cake. Uh, we nailed down a place for the reception and she hadn't worn a wedding dress. So we really wanted to make it feel like, um, even though they were going to do a ceremony again, but it was going to be everything like she had just yeah. gotten married that day. Did you meet the guy before she did it? Because they hadn't been dating long. I only met him one time and that was on Christmas. I hosted Christmas at the house. So they came and he brought his mom and Mm -hmm. I thought that was really sweet. And my sister had this glow about her. I'd never seen it. She was so happy. They were six months in dating. And then that next weekend they took off on the trip and she really was happy at that moment. In early April on a Saturday afternoon, My sister and her now new husband dropped by our home to say hi. I was excited to see her, especially because I wanted her to try on my wedding gown. So they were like, we're in the neighborhood. And I was like, okay, you gotta give me a minute. I don't have a bra on, I look homeless. Um, I need to hurry up and shove extra random toys in a corner. Like, I'm so embarrassed. Just give me five minutes, stay in my driveway. And she laughed, she's like, oh God, okay. Then they come in and visit. And um, that's when I'm like, cool, try on my wedding dress. Like mm-hmm. we already found the dress for you and, you know, try it on and see if this fits you. And what I don't write in the chapter is that she's getting ready to have the surgery that I had, which was the mommy makeover surgery. Oh, oh. so that's why she couldn't just try on any size in that designer somewhere. Um, she didn't want to waste that time, but she was, she was like down to a time limit where she could have that dress ordered and she didn't know what she would look like or mm. what size she would be after surgery. That was right. only a few weeks away. So we were like, at least if you come here, you'll get a good idea. The glow was gone. She was drinking a lot. We all were, they came and it was completely out of the blue. Like I said, mm-hmm. I cooked dinner. I put out appetizers. They spent, they were there for like five or six hours. There was a point where they walked into my game room And they're standing kind of near my dartboard away. And I was saying, come on, dinner's ready. I want to make sure they ate. And I was like, and they were quiet and they were talking in the corner. I wonder if he was like, are you ready to go? Because later I learned that she never really wanted to go home because that meant being alone with them. Yeah. And I feel like she was just trying to buy more time. Then I said, okay, you ready? Let's go upstairs. Let's get the dress on before you guys go. It's getting late. So then she brings up some things that were on her mind about how she wishes you guys could spend more time at your wedding. She, she had a, an, an issue, a big issue when I married Ben at that wedding, she said, I didn't give her enough attention, but I know that she did say that she wished that like, I spent more time with her, like talked to her more. I wonder if there's more to adjusting about that. You're right. Whatever was going on in her life back then with the wedding with Ben, that was really even more dramatic. This time she felt the same and she was trying to stir the pot because that's what she would do to push buttons to see if you really loved her, to reach out, to see how you'd react to her. Well, that's what I'm thinking is like, it it had nothing to do with that. I think it's more like 
you always talk about how you were essentially raised as twins. So in a way it's like, she feels like she's losing you and she wants to know that you're still there. That and much more, much Mm -hmm. more deeper, dark stuff. I think it was just so weird. It was just so out of character. Why would she be saying those things to me saying that I love you? I always protected you. You weren't there for me. I feel like you just didn't even like give me that much time. And, and then, you know what I said to her, I said, let's not forget who just ran off to Vegas and eloped. Like you were a maid of honor in the first wedding and you, nobody, I had no bridesmaids. The second one, you were there. I said, I said, in all honesty, I'm so happy for you. I love you. And I laid that on thick and that probably dove the knife in sharper because secretly she was hurting. She was unhappy. She knew she had made a mistake and she was so close to telling me, I just know it. My eyes begin to tear up. I pulled her close and I hugged her tight. And through my tears, I told her that she was right. I was so grateful to have her and that I was so sorry that I made her feel like that. I explained that I would never, ever do anything to make her feel like that on purpose. It was getting late, so we said our goodbyes and gave each other another hug before she left. And I told her I loved her. And as she walked out to her car, I shouted from my front porch, I love you, sissy. I said it three more times just to be super obnoxious. And that was the last time I saw my sister. Instead of repeating, Jessica, that was my wedding. And I'm sorry that, you know, like you didn't feel the way you wanted to, but come on, like suck it up. It's my wedding. I, I took the higher ground because I knew yeah. this deeper and I just held her hands and I, I pulled her so tight and I hugged her and I started sobbing and she was teary. She didn't cry out loud, but I just was talking as I held her. And I just, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so, you know, I love you. I would never, ever want you to feel that way. Yeah. You think I would ever want you to feel that way? I love you. She yeah. said, and then she pulled away. She goes, it's just that I've always protected you since we were little. Always. I've always made sure you were safe. And I've always, nobody could mess with you. No, nothing back could happen to you. Cause I always protected you. And I just, that felt out of context too. Like, what mm-hmm. do you mean? Why are you saying that? She couldn't say the word. So she was like, subliminally- was so close. Yeah. And no one would ever have known. I mean, for all intents and purposes, you thought she, this was a great guy. And John was pushing her to leave. Like, come on, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. And you had seen her previous toxic relationships. And so this one was like, oh gosh, what a breath of fresh air. And maybe she got it right this time. Because, and and because now knowing everything until they got married, it was bliss. That glow I saw on her was real. Um, And that's when things dramatically changed right after, but I wouldn't know that till later. So the whole time after that, leading up to it, we have a bit of a fallout and I'm just trying to kill her with kindness and telling her how happy I am. She's married. We're planning all these things We're, you know, and she's just pushing me away, pushing me away, pushing me away. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I, mm-hmm. I just kept talking to my mom saying, mom, why would she be reacting like this? She's so in love and she's so happy, but why is she acting like she used to when she was so sad in a dark place? Yeah. She stopped talking to my mom. She stopped talking to me and Roxy, all of us, the closest people in her life. But she did start reconnecting with a few friends that had to take a break away from her. And they came back together. She had her surgery. She started feeling better about herself. Okay. And she started to regain her strength after the surgery and her confidence. Mm-hmm. And 
And that, you know, like, it didn't last much longer than that. While at our cabin, I saw that I'd missed dozens of calls from my sister, Roxy, my mother, and my stepmother. My heart sank. I thought something might have happened to my father. I called my mom first, but she didn't answer. Next, I tried my sister. Aroxy answered, and she immediately instructed me to sit down and that something bad had happened. So after she left your house, after trying on the wedding dress, how long before you got that call in May? Five weeks. Four or five weeks. And I sent her an email a week before, and it showed that she opened it. And I told her, I know you're upset. I know something's going on. I know this is much bigger than Mm -hmm. what you're acting like it is because this is not you and I know you, but COVID was going on. And so I was feeling more intense emotions based on that. And I just said, you know, we would never forgive ourselves ever if anything ever happened to us. And and we never, we never ever got to talk to each other again. I just said, we would never forgive ourselves for that. And I love you so much and I'm going to keep calling you and stalking you until you return my calls and so I left her a Facebook post and I I posted a picture of my German Shepherd and said can we get our German Shepherds together I love you I'm stalking you love you your bratty sister because I'm obnoxious and I know I'd make her smile or laugh when she's mad so I kept just trying to drop those stupid comments so she would just laugh and go fuck you okay I love you but she didn't and then a week later to the day she was gone. I was outside at the cabin. Um, I was staining the, this kind of decorative wood fence thing at the front of the cabin, fixing it up because it was a fixer upper in a major way. And I come inside. Chris is like, all right, babe, are you ready? Like that pack up and get home. Um, and again on a Sunday and I, yeah, I'm like, okay. And so he's packing up the truck and I see my phone And my heart sinks because when you see that many missed phone calls from the closest people in your life and that many missed text messages, the text messages say, honey, please call me. It's an emergency. Honey, call me. It's 911. Athena, where are you? We're trying to reach you. Athena, please call us. You need calls right away. You just, my mind honestly went to my father. So that was my first thought. And so I... I call my mom and it rings, it goes to her voice mess, her voicemail. And then I call Roxy and she answers and I'm standing there. I remember exactly. I'm standing there by the couch. Um, and she says, Athena, where are you? I said, I'm at the cabin. What's going on? What's going on? She goes, I need you to sit down. I said, I'm not sitting down until you tell me that everybody's okay. I'm not sitting down. Just tell me everybody's okay. She goes, I want you to sit down. I, I do. I sit at the kitchen table and and I'm like, okay, what, like, what is happening? And there was, she, I don't think there was an easy way for her to ease me into it. Cause she didn't, it was the first sentence. She said, Jessica's Jessica is dead. She's dead. And it's like complete nothingness. Once her friends and clients found out that she had died, my sister Rox and I started to receive messages from them. This is when we discovered that Jessica's happy and perfect marriage was actually an abusive nightmare and that she had been hiding it from all of us because she was ashamed. The things we would go on to learn about her monster of a husband were absolutely disturbing. Her husband was claiming at that point that she shot herself 
which is not a common thing for a woman to do, why would she shoot herself? Like, what? She's planning a wedding. She's so in love. She has this new dog. They just put his house on the market. They've been busting their ass to sell it. They were selling that house so that they could buy a brand new house. She was house hunting. She was wedding dress shopping. So that didn't make any sense. She had just the that a tummy tuck and a and her breast yeah. done. She no. felt like better than she ever felt. Right. How? Why? So I could not understand for the life of me how in that moment that could even be a possibility. And so I. I couldn't breathe and I just wanted Chris there. And I remember I kind of dropped the phone to my side and I tried to walk and Roxy was still on the phone and I opened the door and I was trying to call for him. He just, I just was like, Chris, Chris, but I was crying and he just looked back and he saw me. And I just, I just said, Jessica's dead. Like Jessica's dead. And he's like, what, what? And I, I could barely stand. And he just kind of pulled me back up to my feet and he just, walked me over and the kids were there and he says, okay. And I say, mommy, what's wrong? Mommy, what's wrong? Don't cry. Why is mommy crying? And I just, I put my head on the table and I just couldn't stop. And I remember having, I had my elbows on the table and I just, I kept trying to like, think like, how is this real? Like, how is this happening? I couldn't control anything. And Chris just tried to hold my hand. I just kept saying, I have like, how's she gone? my number one person she's gone and they're forward like every text thread it's like who's missing I would call her over and over to listen to her voicemail and I record I kept every voice message she left for me so I could remember her voice and it's mm-hmm. just insane so I was in charge she does my same industry I taught her to do what I do and so um, I was in charge because she used a similar booking site. So I was in charge of contacting all of her, her clients and saying, please don't show up for your appointment. Um, and I did my best to call everybody. And um, we weren't allowed to say anything too much because things were under investigation. Um, within a week, we were being messaged by strangers, her clients, friends that she reconnected with. And um, they were on their own reaching out because she had said, if anything ever happened to me, just know that I never took my life. I would never leave my children. And she wanted them to know that. And then she shared very private, very horrifying information with a handful of them so that they knew that she was to a point that she was scared that some, that, um, her husband might kill her. And then that meant when they did the autopsy, they, made sure they looked for foul play and they were then able to rule out any type of suicide as she was going through all of that and hid it from us. And should I have tried harder? Um, could I have done something differently? And I've forgiven myself because you have, you have to, you have to, everyone goes through that process of could I should have anything, what could I have done differently? And the fact is, is you couldn't have, you were there, you loved her, you supported her. She knew that she knew that we didn't talk about this too much in the chapter, but that's when I took in her son, um, and made sure that I fought for her every way I could. I'm the number one contact with the detective. I, um, I took care of everything I could. I was lying in bed, home alone, one weekday afternoon. I'm sure you can imagine my shock when I looked up to see who was opening my bedroom door. 
I'm oh, sure you, you about pissed yourself when you saw him waltz through your bedroom door. To have a protection order, to know that he's not even allowed to step out of his vehicle in my driveway. So definitely was not expecting that, but didn't have enough strength or emotion to go to a, an angry place or call the police on him, I suppose. Um, and his heart was in the right place. And I'm not defending him because he would run me over with a bus right now if he could. You know, I struggle with knowing whether the things he says once in a while are wholehearted or true. I still will never know. He risked it by walking into my house, into my bedroom, walked upstairs. He's never been in my home like that, ever. And he asked Sydney to leave the room and she's like you always do this and he's like just go so he sits down in my bed next to me and I just don't even move I'm just like laying there sideways my pillows like looking at him and he's like hey like hey he's like I just want to tell you like I'm just really sorry and I know we've had our differences but I I loved your sister very much she was always there for me whenever I needed her she never judged me, even when I did stupid ass shit. Like she always made me feel welcome and always called me her brother. Even after the divorce, she said that I would always be her brother still. And I, I just feel so many, like, feel like we had a lot in common, with some of the things we suffered with and some of the bad things and the sadness in our lives. And, um, I'm just really sorry. And I just, I couldn't have said much to anybody if they were standing there, let alone him. I just said, thank you. I was just like, thank you. And he said, okay, well, I'll go. And then he just like leaned down and he hugged me. And I was just like, Pat, Pat, like, I, I don't know. I say in two sentences, which make no sense. I'm emotionless, yet I'm shocked. Looking back, I am very shocked and surprised that he had the balls to come into my home. But at that moment, it is true. Like I was emotionless and I, I mean, he could have probably dumped a bucket of paint on my face and I probably would have laid there. So it was what it was, but I, yeah. but it was, I, I, I don't take know. Take it with a grain of salt. That. He shit on me after that. Exactly. So it meant nothing. He can do something like that and you, in a moment, we can do for a minute. And then he turns around and runs you over the bus. So that's just how we thank is. you for bringing me back to reality, Amber. Because exactly. you know what? This is what he does. He softens yeah. you. He does. And then he fucking runs you over and he reverses boom, boom, back over again. Yes. <laughs> so well thank said. you. Exactly. That's, that's what he does. I had previously scheduled to have Sydney come visit me that just so happened to have landed on the same weekend of Jessica's funeral service. I told her that it wasn't any problem for me to drive Sydney back up to Seattle so that she could attend the funeral and say her goodbyes to Auntie Jessica. And it was Ugh. it was Ben's weekend to have Sydney and I That's right. Um you had her kind of rearrange it, arrange it with him, touch base, yeah, and get up to yeah. return, I think. I was still trying right. to be nice with him because I was still yes. trying to get my divorce settlement. It was a crazy weekend leading up to that um ben reaches out to me and he offers for me to stay at his house yes and i throws a fit about it actually right remember that i never i never said yes i i actually i booked a hotel he was like you know uh i'm not gonna be home so you know you could you're more than welcome to stay at my house and i was like well thank you that's that's nice of you i had zero intentions of staying there 
But then once I got there, of course, Sydney's like, come see my cat, Trixie. That's fine. So I tell him we're going to come over and he's total asshole to me. He's ignoring me. He's getting dressed up for something. I don't know if he had a hot date or what. And I kind of made a joke about it. I was like, oh, you got a hot date. What's going on there, Ben? And he just kind of was not very nice. Just like, you know, and I was like, that's fine. And so I was like, show me your house. Cute. Nice. He obviously bought all new furniture, everything, big old house. While I was at his house, you know, he, I made, you know, a comment about, we're going to go back to the hotel. And he got so pissy. And the entire night he starts rage texting me. You know how those go. So it's like paragraph after paragraph after paragraph of, I was so obsessed with me. Yeah. I went out of my way to (laughs) offer you my house and blah, blah, blah. And Sydney's going to be so bored because all of her belongings and things are at my house. And now you're having your sit in a boring hotel and just how I'm a piece of shit human basically. And I just told him, I was like, Ben, it's inappropriate. Do you realize I have a boyfriend who I've been with for the last year and it's inappropriate for me to be staying at my ex-husband's house. Um, and I, I see what you're doing. And I, I fully believe that he wanted me to stay there. He wanted oh. to find John's name, somehow message oh, him and say, yeah. I have proof that she spent the night at my house. Like, sure. You know what I mean? I, oh, I fully put Spyware know. on your phone again. Oh yeah. New, new phone number, new phone. Exactly. I ruined his life and our family. And I was like, oh, you know what? Brother. And so that was the first time I was like, shut the fuck up. I said it in a firm tone, but I didn't necessarily put tiger. And I think that threw him off. Like, yeah, oh, that's, you know what yeah, I mean? Because, that's a perfect sweet spot. It's like, yeah. you're not getting to me. You're just yeah. piece of shit. So I'm just going to be mm-hmm. blunt and Frank, like, fuck off. Anyway, bye. I was like, you have a girlfriend. Does she know that you're trying to get your ex-wife to spend the night? I don't have a girlfriend. Okay, well, tell Katie I said hi. A few days later, Sydney mentioned Katie, dad's new girlfriend, once again. I decided to have a talk with Ben so that he knew that I was aware of her. Per our parenting plan, Ben was not allowed to bring a new woman around Sydney unless I had already agreed to it. So I explained to him that for the sake of Sydney, I needed him to carry on a happy and healthy relationship with this woman for a bit before he was to introduce her to Sydney. Only two weeks later, I received a message from Dee and she explained that Ben had yet another victim who had found her through a mutual friend of theirs. She then asked if she could put us in touch with one another because this woman, Elizabeth, had a lot of unanswered questions regarding her new boyfriend, Ben. So next thing I know, She's connected all three of us on a thread on Facebook Messenger. She yes. says, she says, hi, Elizabeth, meet Athena, Athena, meet Elizabeth. <laughs> oh my God. And, and you're said, like, are you kidding me? I was just trying to figure out Katie. Who's this? Yeah. What? Yeah. Like, come again. She was kind. She just, you know, she was like, I, I just have so many questions. Like things aren't adding up. And you know, he said he didn't have a kid and then he does have a kid. And this is where I find out why the photos are in the closet and the boxes are in front of Sydney's bedroom door because Elizabeth is now the current girlfriend living in Washington state. And, um, Katie is the girlfriend living in Sacramento in California, Sacramento area, Idaho, supposedly <laughs> Idaho slash uh, California. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so similar, not at all. Not, and yeah. yeah. And so 
the storyline is, is that um, Elizabeth goes on to tell me that he says he doesn't have a daughter, but that she ends up finding some information and then he has to admit to it because she calls him. Right. So then once he admits to it, he lies and says, okay, the truth is her mom's an asshole. I have, she took her away. I finally got the truth out in court and now I finally get her back. She's going to be coming to live with me now full time. And I'm just decorating her bedroom, doing all this, but so I'm trying to put together, but right now, like I have nothing. So what he did was he had all of the photos of them throughout all the years, because clearly he's had her this entire time. She currently has a bedroom with all of her photos, with everything in the present day. So to, to, for him in his mind to like make sure that she'd go in the room. He stacked boxes in front of the door so that she wouldn't open the door to her bedroom. Oh my God. Wow. Again, so much like, where do you have the time then? Elizabeth was very kind and eager to show everything she had just learned. Ben was using a fake name and for whatever reason, she was onto him and took a photo of his driver's license when he wasn't looking. And like all great detectives, she looked up the address and realized that he didn't own the home he was living in, like he said. Yep, another strike. He was the renter, and lo and behold, there was his real name. And this led her to go to King County Courthouse and down a rabbit hole looking at case after case after case. Just to be honest, things were adding up. So I... One day his wallet was open. I quickly took a snapshot of his driver's license. Then with that, I started looking up stuff. And with that, I realized that this name did not match this address, but this name did. So she realized that um, Ben Crane is actually Ben Jameson. And once she figured that out, she decided to drive into the good old King County uh, courthouse where she got to put on headphones and listen to every hearing. Let's find out who you fucking really are. That's when she tells us, and we're like, oh, by the way, and this and that, we're like, wait, what, 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 what'd you say? (laughs) Where she tells us about the 13 counts of, or 12 counts of first degree felony uh, theft, felony theft charges, and and one count of second degree theft felony charges, which is 13 counts total. And we're like, what the fuck? We oh my god, yeah. That a lot of that went down, but we did not know that they actually went after him finally. We were we were like, how could they not go after him? This is crazy, but we didn't know it actually was happening and it was like Christmas morning. Of course, Pandora's box was open and our group text thread was on fire, going back and forth all day every day. And we let her know about Katie and she was on an absolute mission to find this woman. But within a day or two, we got a text from Elizabeth. I found her. Next time on Ex-Wives Undercover. She lied and said, I'm his executive assistant and I just want to make sure and confirm the flight status or flight for Mr. Jameson. And they gave her everything. He punched a hole in the wall. And Elizabeth has not come over since because they were fighting. All they do is ever fight. So then a few days later, which was last night in the present day as I'm speaking to her night before she goes then I'm talking on FaceTime to my friend and I'm standing there and dad doesn't even realize I'm there but I was trying to show my friend Trixie because Trixie was on the ledge so I had my my camera reversed and all of a sudden dad throws himself down the stairs call Elizabeth I need help I call Elizabeth and 
and it just sank in Cindy's head like, oh my God, my dad's fucking crazy. And once again, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review and make sure to join our private Facebook group for even more juicy info. You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And of course, you can always visit our site at www.xwivesundercover.com.